we're talking about uh, for the next three weeks, this word together, all right, this word together. And, and today I just wanna look at kind of the biblical narrative uh, that I believe points to the blessing, the abundant blessing of doing life with each other. I don't know what your experience has been like in church, but for me, and this may be like a Western hemisphere kind of ideal, but for me, Christianity was mostly an individual endeavor. Like when I thought about walking with God, what I pictured in my head was me like in a closet on my knees praying or like at a table reading the Bible. Like, I don't know what you picture when someone says, how's your walk with God? But whenever someone asks me that, I always think of me by myself, right? That's kind of like an independent kind of approach to it. And that's a good thing, because even these past two weeks, we've been talking about intimacy with God and that being like a solitude endeavor. But I don't believe that life with God is meant to be lived alone, right? And I believe that we're gonna see some passages this morning that are gonna point to Man, if you are not in a community of people all across the spiritual spectrum, but that are seeking the presence of God, there is an abundant blessing that is available to you that you might be missing out on right now. And so for me, this is like, I'm geeking out for these next few weeks because I am like a big time proponent, believer, advertiser of getting in a living room with some people, getting after the Lord eating food, playing games, like doing all this cool stuff, building community. But when that community is rooted in Jesus, I'm telling you, God has something special for you if you get in a group of people that's pursuing God. And, and I just wanna kind of uh, state maybe the Bible's argument for why life is worth doing together in community. So if you've got a Bible, open it to like page two, to Genesis chapter two, verse 18, all right? So if you're not familiar with the scriptures, get the book, Open it to like the second or third page. Look for the word Genesis and look for the number two. And then verse 18, all right? If you don't have a Bible, we've got Bibles on the communion tables. Um, Hey, to all my students who have just started your journey, man, shout out. I hope that your semester is gonna be filled with wonder and bliss and beauty, that you find all your best friends that you're gonna walk with the rest of your life or that it's just fine and you get through it and you're okay. Um, Genesis 2, verse 18. I want you to see this passage, okay? It says... I found it, there it is. (laughs) Then the Lord God said, all right? Then the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. If you've ever been at a wedding, maybe you've heard this verse, okay? But I would like to not use this to say, so some of you already are like, that's right, I came into college looking for my soulmate. I need a helper. That's what this is about. No, it is not. We cast that out. We are confident in our singleness. Enjoy college, all right? Genesis 2, 18, I think points to something higher. He goes, it's not good for man to be alone. And I think it's bigger than just marriage. It's bigger than just a dating relationship. God saw a human on earth alone and said, that's not my ideal scenario for this human. That this human would walk through life enjoying the creation by himself. That's not my destiny, my plan for humanity. And what I believe for us right now, as we sit here in 2018, at least if you are, have a similar experience to me, a lot of us are really hungry to be in a community where we feel known and loved and we can be ourselves, 
We can come, we can walk through there, and it's not like 12 South, you know what I'm saying? You don't have to have like the get up on. You can come in your PJs with all your insecurities just on blast, and you know that community's got your back. They love you and all your no makeup face, and you don't even care. Like it's, you can ugly cry in front of them, they just love you, right? I feel like everybody is hungry for that type of community, and yet I also feel it's never been harder to get that type of community. And I'm like, why is that? Why do we struggle? And maybe you're in a great community, and so, you know, you know, help me preach this sermon, you know, but if you're not, if you're hungry for community, I wonder why can it be that we find ourselves feeling isolated and lacking like deep, true friendship when I would say we've got more options than we've ever had before, right? That's kind of like the curse of options. Like if you've ever played white elephant, you know what white elephant is? Where will you raise your hand? I just need to know. Yeah, yeah, Dirty Santa, uh, Yankee Swap, I think I've heard it called that on The Office. Anyway, uh, White Elephant is this game, right, where when it's your turn, especially if you're going late in the game, you get these options. You can choose one of the gifts that's already been unwrapped, and you can steal it, right? That's a dirty move. Or you can go open one of the gifts that hasn't been opened. And if you've ever played that game, you know the dilemma. If someone's opened a good gift and it's a good steal because there's a $15 limit and that one might have been $16.50, you know what I'm saying? That's the steal. But there's something about this like, I don't know though, like what about over here, right? Like they've got something that's valuable, but that's not open. And what if someone got greedy on the $15 limit and did like a $1,000 gift card somewhere? Like what if that was the day and it was me that got to find it, right? That's the deal. No one relates Okay, this is what I go through. So just try to relate to my story, all right? When you see that, thank you. (laughs) My homie, thanks, Reed, love you. Uh, Dude, so when you have options, it can make it so hard to be content with what's right in front of you, right? Because like, what if over there? And I feel like our, this year is like the year of options. Like FOMO is at its apex in our culture right now. Like, but what about, but what about? Like, We are down to sacrifice the joy of deep community to do a thousand other shallow activities with a thousand other different people, right? But the the issue there, and that's not a bad thing, it's fun to live in a city, we got stuff going down, Nashville is dope, like I feel that, it's fun to do that, but I believe, and today I wanna state my case, there is abundant blessing, there is a depth that is available to us if we will commit to a group of people and show up over and over and over again. And we'll skip the exciting thing for the kind of mundane thing, but we're committed to this group of people. I believe there's an abundant blessing on the other side of that journey. And I think the scripture even points to that. So I wanna talk about three things, the power of time, transparency, and truth. They all started with T. I've done my job this week. All right, time, transparency, and truth. I want to talk about how powerful that can be if when you choose, or at least are open to, a community of people, if you will bring those three things to the table, I believe that community will flourish every time, undoubtedly, okay? So before I get into that, a few passages that I just want to remind us of or tell us about for why I believe community is just so central to the biblical narrative. You know, other than Genesis 2, If you'll go to Mark chapter one, right? You don't have to turn there, but in Mark chapter one, the beginning of that gospel, we'll see the birth of someone or the arrival of someone who is the one and only person that could have went through life completely self-sustained, void of community. If anyone could have done it, he arrives on the scene. His name is Jesus, right? I mean, this guy, he's like, he's doing like two fish, no wait, yeah, two fish, five loaves, right? 
not the other way. Yeah, you know, the, 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 he makes a lot of food out of a little food. Remember when he does that? He resurrects dead people. He walks on water like Loki. He's just like chilling like that. Like he's a powerful man, a powerful God, fully God, fully man. And he steps up on the scene. And if anyone could make a case for doing life solo, it was Jesus Christ himself. And yet, when he's baptized, God says, this is my son whom I'm well pleased. He goes to the wilderness, 40 days, prays and fast for a long time, overcomes temptation, comes back down. And right when he's about to begin his ministry, he makes a decision. He starts building a community, around, a community of people around him. He starts calling his disciples. He's gonna get 12 of them. And I believe there was probably more than that, but there's 12 kind of main characters there who are gonna follow him day and night for the next three years. Jesus himself shows us that in the blueprint of the gospel, community is essential, is important. He begins this journey. They weren't just there for his sermons, for his healings. They were there when they were skipping rocks across the pond, when they were traveling from one city to the next. They were there when someone farted. Like they were in the, I did not say that at the nine, but I just started externally processing and farted came out of my mouth. Um, Recover. Jesus was friends with the disciples is all I'm trying to say. We'll do the 9 a.m. podcast. All right, anyway, so they were together. They did life together. Jesus states his case for community. Also in Acts chapter two, the birth of the church, you can find it in Acts two. You know, this feels very normal. Most of us expected to come sit down on a chair and listen quietly for like 25, 30 minutes, if I do my job right, right? And, and hear me say something, right? All of us expected to do this thing together where we sing songs, maybe even have some signups outside, like, all these things, but do you realize that's a pretty unique deal? Like when Jesus was deciding what the people would look like to display his beauty and his glory to the world, he decided the church, the group of people that would believe in him are much better gathered than scattered, right? He said, I want you guys to be together. Wait on the Holy Spirit, wait here and pray. And then the Holy Spirit comes and Acts 2 verse 40 something says, man, these people would commit themselves to the teaching of the word. They'd sing hymns, they'd break bread, they'd share things like they never owned it in the first place. And the Lord was adding to their number daily. I've gotten to baptize someone in the past year and a half. And the reason he came to believe in Jesus was because of no sermon, no teaching, but because he was in a community of people that just reeked of the goodness of God. I would say the gospel gets to advance just as effective as on a Sunday sermon and worship gathering as it does in a community of people that are committed to his ways and to each other. The gospel is powerful and church is awesome. So if this sounds good to you, if this sounds even kind of appeasing, like I'd love to be in a community that just reeked of the goodness of God, that had deep friendship, I'm hoping this teaching will give you um, some steps to step into a community like that. So I think it requires a few things though, a few postures. First, it requires time, all right? This is something we're not cool with, or at least I'm not okay with. If you want to be a part of a community that loves each other, that goes deep, that loves God, you need time. I have this friend named Nicole Eaton. She is the wife of Cyrus Eaton. That's my main homie, one of my best friends. I love this dude. They just had a baby boy named Caleb. Plot twist, they've chosen to live with another married couple named Josh and Molly and in the same house. Now, Shout out to their house. I love their house. It is not a mansion, all right? Kind of a tight space. And I was like, man, that is an interesting move to use your first few months of being young parents to live with two other people. And you see each other like a lot. Like that kitchen is fit for, it's jam-packed, you know what I'm saying? So I was asking them like, yo, 
why would you make such a move? Like, I feel claustrophobic even thinking about it. This is wild. Like, you're living with other people. They're not in your family. Like, what's going on? Why is this awesome? And Nicole started saying something, and it really stuck out to me. She said, it's really nice seeing people so often that you're not always playing catch-up. Like, your friendship just gets to go deeper. And if you've lived in Nashville for any amount of time, you understand the tension she's pointing out. You can live in a city like Nashville, ever moving, always going places, and you and your closest people are catching up once a month. You get together, you know, how's it been? You catch up for the next hour and a half, you're kind of exhausted, you're like, all right, I'll see you probably in two months and we'll play this game again, right? And even though you love them, you can feel how the friendship is kind of stuck on catch-up mode, and you never get to really experience the smooth sailing and the depth of friendship you can because you don't see each other a lot. And so Nicole was saying one of the gifts of just friendship is of living with these people is that I get to have time with them over and over and over again. That can be a good thing. And so if you're here and you're hungry for community, one of my first pieces of encouragement would be to commit time, like to let time do what time does. Like not given like one day a month, but like every week, maybe even multiple times a week, getting around people, time will do something um, pretty impressive. Also being generous with our time, more than just uh, that once a week house church moment. But when people have stuff going on on the weekend, if you're wanting to invest in a group, like don't let that FOMO mentality get to you. Like choose to invest your time with the squad you're with. That is how relationships deepen. But not only is time helpful, transparency is such a, a, a positive weapon uh, in, the, in forming a community. So transparency, bringing your real self will result in real friendship, all right? Bringing your real self will result in real friendship. In an ideal world, right, and I believe we're, we're trying to pursue the ways of God here, there is no safer place to be your full self than in a community of people that hold Jesus as Lord, right? There should be no place more gracious, more kind, more warm. And I think a lot of us, when we think about dealing with like a church group, we immediately check out. We check some of our baggage at the door and we just choose to leave that out. I've talked to guys that, that don't really follow Jesus and the minute they show up to house church, they're like, man, I just like, I don't know. I'm pretty sure they notice all the stuff that I am versus what they are. And it's so fun to be able to be like, dude, we don't see any of that. Like, man, we love you and we, we're all about this. And, but a lot of us, we think when I step into a community of people, the last thing I'm gonna bring is all my baggage, right? And so we're just gonna talk sports. We're gonna stay on the shallow end. We'll read scripture for a few minutes, maybe do a light prayer, and then we're out of there. But I would say, if you want to see a community flourish, if you want to experience how real and how deep friendship can be, then commit to showing up to that community being transparent. There's this story where Jesus goes to a well in Samaria, and he meets a woman there. She's getting water, and she's there in the middle of the afternoon, which is a really odd time, like at the hottest hour of the day. And Jesus begins talking to her. And Jesus gets real pretty quickly with her. He goes, hey, you know, do you have, go get your husband, basically he says to her. He wants to meet her husband. And she goes, oh, interesting you say that. I don't have a husband. Jesus goes, you've told me the truth. You've had five husbands and the man you're living with, not him. That's an awkward moment, right? Jesus is just like, you think you're gonna hide this, but I'm about to bring it all to light. Imagine your deepest, darkest secrets the things you're embarrassed of, like you can't believe you managed to get here in your story. Like 12-year-old you can't believe you wound up being like this. And Jesus just calls it all out. I know you, I know who you are. And I wonder 
when he called out her, her like secrets that she was very clearly keeping from Jesus, if she didn't feel like this is what happens every time, every time I meet somebody and they figure out my story, like I know what's coming next, we're, this conversation's about to get awkward. We're not gonna talk again and I'll just go back to going to the well by myself in the hottest point of the hour so I don't have to see other people that know my story. But the story takes a turn, right? This is what Jesus does. He says, I know who you are. Then he reveals that he's the Messiah and he turns her into a revival pastor. She goes back to her town. People come to see Jesus. They see Jesus is who she says he was. They come to believe in Jesus. This is what Jesus does with your transparency. When we choose to be vulnerable, to be real, to be open before God, we find a God who is gracious, who is very aware of what you're bringing to the table and very comfortable taking care of that with you. And hopefully, right, as a community of God, like as a community of Jesus, the people that you choose to be real with will receive you in grace. And so maybe this is a commission that if you find yourself in a community and someone brings transparency before you, Check your, check your judgmental self at the door, right? Check your scared self at the door. Listen, meet them the same way Jesus met you with a grace that is forever unending, right? This, there is no safer place to be yourself than in the presence of God. There is power and time and transparency when those two things come together. But the third element to this, which I think is like the thing that I will say really transforms community, that makes community so sweet is truth. When time spent together over the long haul, being real, being transparent with people is anchored in the truth of who Jesus is, community is transformed. And that's another T, transformation. I didn't think about that until now. Don't write it down, it's not part of my notes. Anyway, all right, so there is, there is no um, better way to use time and transparency than to anchor it in truth. I was talking to a house church leader uh, this past week and uh, he was telling me that, man, he wants his house church to be a place, and he used this phrase, um, for safe growth, right? I thought that was a really good phrase, because a lot of us, we like the idea of a safe place, right? That sounds good. Let's be vulnerable. Let's be open, which is really powerful. But the amazing thing about Jesus is not only is he the safest place to be your truest self, he will meet you where you are, but he will take you to the truest life available, he will never leave you in the mess. When we bring our mess to God, he is not condemning, he is gracious, but he takes us further. And we want our communities of people to exemplify God's character in that way. This is always a place to bring your mess, to be in the mess as long as you need to be there. But as long as we're a community, we will anchor it in truth. And just as Jesus said, who is here to condemn you? No one, then neither do I. Go and sin no more. Jesus calls them higher. That is the hope of doing life in community, is we come into life with a mess. We come into a group of people with a mess, but the mess doesn't stay. We help each other get out of the mess by following the words and the ways and the works of Jesus. So I would encourage you, if you're gonna be in a community of people and you're at least interested in Jesus, let that community of people be a group that holds the words and the ways and the works of Jesus highly that doesn't look at the Bible down here and go, let me see what fits here, but goes up here and goes, the word of God is going to govern how we live our life. Jesus promises when we abide by his ways, his words, we will receive life. Community is so special when it's anchored in truth this way, when you have a safe place to grow. What if we were a community 
that wasn't just okay with the Holy Spirit, but intentionally sought out the Holy Spirit. Do you know that God wants to talk to you and your squad? Like, it gets powerful when you realize God wants to move in you and your group of people. Like, so long, I kept God and his voice in my my independent individual place and then in places like this. This is where we pray and worship and then by myself. I'm telling y'all, it gets hype when you get around a group of people and you learn over time and transparency, right, anchored in truth, to be vulnerable, to sing. You should hear my voice, all right? You call me out upon the one. No one wants to hear that, but we get used to it, right? You learn how to block that out, but when we learn how to sing together, to pray together, to confess sin together, I'm telling you, if you'll keep coming to bat, anchoring your place in truth, there is fruit, there is blessing, there is a richness to being fully known, being safe to be who you are, and growing together. So I'm gonna encourage you, if it sounds good at all, to be in a community of people that spend time together, they're committed to that. They're transparent, it's real life. We're gonna talk about the game, but we're also gonna talk about some real stuff going on in our hearts, some real insecurity, some real shame, some real stress, and together, we're gonna walk together, anchoring that in the hope that is Jesus, there is life on the other end of that. I could tell you story after story, and I won't due to time, I just promise you, and if you want to talk more about the house churches I've led for the past three years and some of just the immense blessing that has come out of that, like, please holler at me. Some really cool things happen when a community comes together. But there's a few things that I want you to keep in mind. If this, any of this sounds good, if you're like, all right, this has got my interest. I'm thinking about taking a step. There's a few things that I want you to accept at least some responsibility in if you're gonna step into a community, okay? The first thing is be consistent. I would just encourage you, as best as you can, right? We can't always control schedules, but I would encourage you to be consistent. We've all been a part of those group texts where you're like, hey, Friday night, we hanging? And the person responds, yeah, I think so. And everyone knows, all right, I'll see you in three weeks, all right, because you ain't gonna be there Friday night because no one says there when you're gonna be there, right? That's not how you talk right? I would say, try to be a group of people, try to be a person that is consistent with their word and with their schedule. As much as you can show up to the things that your group is doing, do it, right? Say no to the FOMO, all right? Yeah. Secondly, be persistent, all right? Consistent and persistent. I remember this time in college, sophomore year, my mom called me on the weekend. That was who I talked to on the weekend. And, uh, you know, she was like, you know, hey, Josh, how are you doing? I was like, all right, um, I'm gonna be real, mom. I'm pretty lonely right now. I feel like I was at Belmont, and if you go to Belmont, shout out Bruins to a DIE, you know what I'm saying? Uh, if you go to Lipscomb, sorry about your loss. <laughs> anyway, if you go to Vandy, you're neutral, anchor down. All right, we're down. All right. But my mom was asking me, hey, how are you doing? Like, how's it going? Like, mom, I'm gonna be honest with you. It's Belmont, everyone's pretty happy. It's pretty hype all the time. Like, hey, hey, hey. I know a lot of people, but I actually don't have friends. I, I don't know how this happens, but a lot of people know me, but I don't feel like anybody knows me for real. And she was like, well, have you been like asking people to hang out? I was like, mom, you do not understand college. <laughs> you don't ask people to hang out, mom. It's not the 1920s anymore, okay? <laughs> Which was not her era. But anyway, you know, it's like, that's just not how it works. She was like, well, if you hear people doing stuff, do you ask to like get involved? I'm like, oh, okay. Love you, mom. Uh, I'm not, I don't have friends. It's fine. You're not helping. Goodbye, right? That's not what happened. Instead, I felt like my heart was like awakened to the truth of what she was saying. 
What she found was I was in this loneliness, this state of loneliness, and there was a lot of things that I was assuming, right? I was assuming a lot of other people and assuming a lot of myself, who I was to them, who they were to me, et cetera. And I began to like ask people to hang out. And I'll tell you what, it went well. I had friends, I did. It took time, right? But I was persistent. I think this is an element we overlook because community feels like a thing we should just naturally just fall into, right? And if we don't, it's almost like a condemning our own character and our personality. We're like, well, I never fell into it, why not? If you wanna be in a community, something like a house church, wherever you're at, I would encourage you to try being the friend you want others to be, right? Like very simple. I feel like this is like third grade. Be the friend you want others to be, all right? But seriously, so often I think we're waiting, but we're not the ones to step first. And what if we get you got a bunch of people waiting on someone else to take the first step, right? So I would encourage you, be persistent. Take the first step. Be the community builder you want other people to be. Be the intentional person that you would love to come into your life. Be the event creator that you've been waiting for. Invite people to things, join along. Don't assume things of people that they might not be thinking. Don't assume things of yourself and your belonging. I think the perception of loneliness can be such a powerful and crippling thing. But if you're here going, I want community, I would encourage you, if you join one, if you join a house church or you're in a community, Be persistent in being the friend that you want others to be. You may be the culture shaper in that circle. Okay, I'd encourage you in that. So consistency, persistency, because I want it to rhyme, and patience, all right? Patience. Don't expect month one to feel like year two. That's me. That's what I do, right? Some of us have left cities to move to Nashville. Some of us are just still reminiscing about the good old days in college, those just tight friendships we had. Some of us just came to college after years in high school and we left our best people behind. And if we're not careful, we'll step into a new group and go, I just knew that I would never find that again. Like one month in, he's awkward. She won't stop staring. He just stuttered. That was an awkward silence. All right, I'm out. This is not my space. Like, why are we doing that? Don't be selfish. Don't be entitled. Don't be selfish. Like, give it time. Some of your deepest friendships, they definitely took time. Like, that's how it works. And so I would encourage you, I feel like I hear all the time, I just can't fit a house, I can't find a house church that fits me. I love you, grace to you, but if four house churches didn't fit you, the house churches may not be the issue. It's okay, we can all, see, transparency, we're good, it's good, I love you, but like, hey, commit to something and be patient. That can be hard, it's hard for me, but I know that all the times that I've shown up to a space, I'm like a feeler, right? So if it doesn't feel right, I'm usually out. Well, feelings, aren't the best thing to like anchor in, right? Like that's just not the best thing to lean on. So I would just encourage us, if you go, man, a community that loves each other, that spends time together, that chases the heart of God, sounds good to me, have the patience to let time and transparency and anchoring that all in Jesus do what it will always do. I believe it will always yield fruit. And maybe check our hearts for selfishness and entitlement and expectation that may be unfair to letting community do what it will naturally do over time, all right? Last thing I'll say, and then we'll go to communion and then we'll have a pizza for free. And I'm saying, I don't know where it's from, but it's gonna be the best pizza. And uh, you can only have a slice if you sign up for a house church. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Eat the pizza. Uh, I, yeah, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I think it's organic and gluten-free. It's from Papa John's. Uh, it's neither of those things. Um, anyway, so I had a vision as I was praying over this week. I'm like, God, I love community. I believe in house church. I believe that if we come together and love each other, it's so epic. But I was just praying for y'all, praying for this morning. And what I, what I pictured in my head was when I was in fourth grade, 
I moved to North Carolina in the middle of the school year, and I pictured me at a cafeteria table. Cafeteria tables are the worst when you're at a new school, right? Because when you're in class, you've got a teacher to watch, so everyone's cool with that, right? When you're in PE, you got a ball to watch before you kick it. Everyone's focused on things. But at the cafeteria table, that's the jungle, right? Because then you just have people to talk to. And it's all kind of like, okay, it's exposed. I don't belong, right? Like now we know no one's fooled anymore. I don't know any of you. So I'm just eating my chicken nuggets and drinking my chocolate milk over here and we'll make this work. And I was picturing how that can be so isolating, how some of us feel that. And at first I was picturing like how at the end of fourth grade, I had like a lot of friends, a lot of homies. It worked out really well. And so I thought it was like an encouraging picture, like to help everybody. Hey, just trust time. If it's that awkward moment, just just trust it, believe it, it will work out. And I do believe that's true. But what I felt God was telling me was some of us remember those moments of feeling isolated alone and they actually never got alleviated. And we tried. Like some of us are here going, I have done the whole I tried to be friends with people thing, and it just never worked. And honestly, I'm not really in the mood to try again. Isolation has, no one can let me down when I'm alone, (laughs) okay? It's just me, right? I just wanna encourage you. I feel like God put you on my heart for this teaching, that if time and time again, you put your best foot forward, you tried your best to be in a community of people, and it just never seemed to work out. And after a while, you just started buying the lie that it's because of you. It's your fault. It's your thing. It could have been you were in a community that was too immature to understand how to do friendship. I don't know what the reason is, but I felt like as I was praying on Thursday, God was telling me to encourage you, if you tried and tried again, do it again. Try it today. Like, get plugged in. I believe that we're building something amazing here. I believe we have people that love God, that are growing in selflessness, that will love you and walk with you for real. Um, And so I just encourage you, if you've given up on community of actually having friends that really love God and love you for who you are, Don't, all right? Just very simply. I don't have like a poetic way to end it. Just don't give up. Go for it, all right? So I'm gonna pray over us. We're gonna go to communion. We're gonna sing one worship song. We've condensed worship a little bit today so that we can go eat pizza and sign up because there's a wedding here later and we've kind of got to get out of here by one. So I'll pray. We'll get communion. We'll worship. We'll go eat pizza. All right. God, thank you for this day. Holy Spirit, lead us in worship. Thank you for community for the power of community. Um, God, I just love you and believe you have so much at the table for us. I just, I pray empowerment over every individual here. Help them to see how they can truly help build a community of people that thrives. Help them to see the freedom of choosing, the empowerment of making choices that help build something worthwhile. Help us to be a people that that aren't so stuck in our individualistic mindset that we know how to invest and even be selfless with our time. You always return death with life. So God, if there's places where we need to die to ourselves, to serve a community of people, to be, to plug in, will you help us to do it? I think there's so many good things on the other side of this, God. I love you, in Jesus' name, amen.